Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we explore our year in the national parks, our international travel experiences, and our love for everything budget travel. We're Cole and Elizabeth Donaldson, a regular Midwest couple who quit our jobs and set off on a year-long adventure to all 59 U.S. national parks in 2016. That set off our travel addiction, and since then we've visited over 50 countries. We've made travel a priority without breaking the bank, and we're here to share that with you. And I'm out of breath. (laughs) Already. This is going to be a long podcast. I have found a very, very comfortable new position on this stability ball that we got today from Amazon. There you go. I blew I'm so it, comfortable. I blew it up all by myself without using a hand pump because that is all the way in the basement. And you would not expect how tricky that is. <laughs> so just picture I me. I would expect it. I'm out of breath just sitting here. Okay. <laughs> picture me trying to like face palm a exercise ball as it just totally gets face, as big as a, my... What is face palm? I, I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> But I can picture the, it. Yeah, you can picture it, right? It's very <laughs> illustrative. Yeah, well, if you're pregnant, get yourself a stability ball because they're amazing. Usually when we podcast, I'm like all scrunched up in this really uncomfortable position. But I feel like this is going to be pretty good today. Yeah. Feeling good about it already. And you got your compression socks. Yes, because we are taking a flight tomorrow. Good segue, Cole. By the time, <laughs> By the time you're hearing this. In April. It'll be April and we will be... Taking a flight tomorrow, too, because we're taking a flight on April 2nd. Oh, wow. That's That's, crazy. That's pretty fun. Yeah. So, anyway, um, we're about to kick off our Baby Moonathon 2019. Oh, yeah. With um, a few back to back ish uh, trips. Yeah, thanks for having a baby, babe. (laughs) Anytime. You know, you can travel without having a baby, (laughs) makes it a little more comfortable. Yeah. So tomorrow though is Babyathon leg one. Baby Moonathon. Oh yeah. <laughs> Babyathon happens in July. <laughs> uh, Baby Moonathon leg one to the Azores, Portugal. Yes. Uh, so I think we've mentioned that before, but yeah, the Azores is one of those destinations that I feel like we heard about it on this listicle as mm-hmm. the next Iceland, and I think. We still have slight regrets about not visiting Iceland before it got crazy. And, of course, we still haven't been to Iceland. Um, but we did not want the same thing to happen with the Azores because we've heard it's kind of blowing up. So we're going to get there tomorrow. Yeah. So excited. The, the good thing is we heard about it from actually another travel podcast. Um, I think it was the EPOP podcast and Extra Pack of Peanuts. Mm. Um, I don't think so. Maybe. Anyway. Anyway, uh, those are some. That's one of our favorite travel Props podcasts. to them. Anyway, yeah, yeah. they're great. Um, they and they're kind of like on the cutting edge usually of travel recommendations. Um, definitely more so than you know. So that was like a year ago, and now it's getting more and more mainstream because I just heard about it on uh, some like Thrillist dot com listicle uh which said it was the top uh, one of the 19 places to go in 19 so i feel like it's still not all the way mainstream but definitely getting there but the infrastructure is getting there too and so we're flying we're able to fly direct from boston which is really nice 
um, for not taking super long flights while I'm pregnant. So for sure. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's like that's one. where we'll be right now as you're listening to this. Yep. Well, kind of. So after the Azores, we're flying to Lisbon, Portugal, and where we're gonna spend some work days. So Cole's gonna be working during the day. Um, in Elizabeth's Lisbon, gonna be doing and then some grad school. Grad school remote Thankfully, online stuff. His job is 100% remote. My grad school is 100% remote. So it works out really nicely. We're really gonna take advantage. Yeah. So Lisbon and Porto in Portugal after the nine days and three islands of the Azores. Then we come back on April 2nd-ish. Um, and we're here for about a whole three days before taking off for a new wedding in Chicago. And uh, then Phoenix, where we're doing another remote week. Yep. Uh, staying, seeing doing Sedona. Doing Sedona, which we've never been to. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit in Phoenix, a little bit in Tucson, a little bit around Tucson. Yep. Coming back for like the Easter time frame and then heading to uh, Austin and San Antonio for another like nine day stretch, two weekends and a week of work in between. And then doing the same thing back to back, visiting some friends in Raleigh, North Carolina and spending that last weekend in Charleston. So, <laughs> And then we'll be back, what, May f- f- 14th. 13th? Yeah. So eventually we'll be home and then we'll be like nesting and hunkering down and yeah. ready to never leave the house again. Um, yeah, right. But it's going to be a fun spring. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll I really be busy. Like... Hopefully I'll be feeling good the whole time and it should be should be awesome. Yeah, that's a wild card. <laughs> yeah, but we'll I feel really fingers. good so far. Good. Like I feel overall very good. Yeah. I really like the setup of, you know, the um, weekend before you know, these mini baby moons, we're doing like a weekend before and then working remote and still hopefully going to do some stuff in during the week because I'm wa- waking up early for work and getting done, you know, working Eastern hours, getting done by 3 p.m. Uh, and still have a good amount of daylight in the summer to hit all these like hikes and spots. And so it's, it's yeah, not even like the week is wasted. It's like, really, it's like four days of of travel stuff and five days of work plus evenings um, where we'll get to do some fun stuff still. Yeah. So I, it's, I think it's going to be a great setup. So, yeah, I can't wait to get that last bit of travel in before the nest. Um, yes. And then we'll have more stuff to talk about, more fodder for the podcast. But today we are going back um, last month was all about Indiana Dunes, the 61st National Park. So if you didn't catch that episode, highly recommend it. Number 61. Yeah. So it's 61, which was just a coincidence. <laughs> right, right. That we missed and until I posted it. <laughs> so we talk about all about the park, the first one in Indiana, you know, one of the few in the Midwest that's a national park, all the stuff you can do there, all the unexpected things. Um, why it deserves to be a national park and talk with one of the tourism officials there who gave some good insights. Um, Definitely worth a check out. And if you go, uh, this episode we're doing is actually extension of our Africa trip series. Yeah, so back in February mm -hmm. we talked about, we did part one of our 
um, grand adventure in Africa that we had from July to September of last year. And we talked all about our favorite game drives, our favorite safari animal experiences. So go check that out in Podcast 60. Today, we're extending that by talking about the uh, our other favorite part about Africa, which is all of the amazing natural landmarks, natural features, hiking, being outside, uh, the beautiful landscapes that we saw all throughout the southern regions of Africa. Yeah, I, I, it was, of course, you do think of wildlife and safaris when you go to Africa. Uh, and that's what we knew we couldn't get anywhere else because we've been to all the national parks in the U.S. We think the U.S. has a lot to say about natural beauty. Um, but I tell you what, the stuff in Africa, the nature and the natural landmarks and beauty and, and just uh, iconic scenes were incredible. They definitely delivered on their own. It would be worth a trip if that was the only thing you could see, mm-hmm. for sure. It's definitely, it's so much less built up. It's, you know, there's just overall in the in most of the countries there, you know, you have your bigger cities and you have your, some smaller cities and rural areas. But the as far as the national parks and the protected areas, they are very raw and very much untraveled and um you know you've got your little touristy areas but but mostly you can tell it's like the it has not been infringed on by a bunch of infrastructure and and roads and and um tourist stuff and in part that's because i think it's overshadowed by the game parks everybody is crazy about the safaris and they don't pay much attention to all these natural wonders, which can be a good thing because if the same stuff w- was in the U.S. or maybe a you know, more trafficked area that didn't have as much other distractions like lions and, and elephants you know, <laughs> in the next uh, few miles down the road, uh, it, it would be, yeah, they would be all the rage. Yeah. So I feel really lucky that we got to explore these without a lot of fuss and without a lot of crowds. Yeah, now the first one we're going to talk about doesn't exactly fit into that. That's true. Um, yeah, so the first one, we um, knew, always knew we wanted to go to Cape Town. That's, Cape Town is the, actually, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but Cape Town was my main motivation for wanting to visit, mm-hmm. at, to, to go to Africa last summer. I, Cape Town was the city I'd always wanted to go to. You know, I originally, we were going to do a week in Cape Town and a week, like, game park around South Africa, and then it just exploded from there, <laughs> and we realized we wanted to see a lot of other things. As it does. As, as it happens. does. Um, but, but one of the biggest reasons we wanted to go to Cape Town was because of the amazing hiking. So number five is Table Mountain and Lion's Head hiking in Cape Town. Is that cheating? Uh, no. Because it's two hikes. No. <laughs> it's um, definitely two different areas, but it's, they're very close. Yeah. And Table Mountain is actually a national park. So bonus points for that, for sure, because we know all the best places in the world are uh, national parks. Uh, So these are must-dos when you go to Cape Town. 
Um, and they're very popular. So this kind of good reason. Yeah, this kind of goes against what we were saying earlier. Uh, but they're two distinct areas, like Elizabeth said, but they are uh, very close to each other. So, you know, Cape Town, it's right on the Cape. You know, it's got a huge waterfront area and a downtown area. But then as you climb, you know, in elevation up um, the, you know, the mountain, essentially, uh, that, that pins in Cape Town, you get, uh, you know, fewer and fewer uh, buildings until you come to you know, basically the park border and you can get to uh, Table Mountain first which I think is definitely the more trafficked more popular and it's the stop. iconic land you know the iconic backdrop of the city which yep. it's probably the most beautiful city I've ever been to I would say because yeah. of partly because of this Table Mountain which is just like this straight table looking line through the sky yep. that's this like flat mountain area um but it's just gorgeous and it's close to the city it was probably like a 15 minute uber ride oh even less I 10 think. minute uber ride yeah. from our hostel which was kind of on the outskirts it was kind of like towards that direction anyway um but yeah very close very oh. cheap ubers and, and even buses you can do the um if you get a tour bus pass that hop on hop off bus pass that drops you off there too so lots of ways to get there but the route we took i would definitely recommend because we took so there are several trails to get up to the top of cape of uh, table mountain but the route that we took was called india venster the India Venster Trail, and that one kind of followed, it almost like went directly underneath the cable car for a lot of it, mm -hmm. but it did have super amazing views of the city, and it was steep, and it was, there were some hard parts, but it was mostly very doable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it for me, and I'm a little more, you know, maybe I have a little higher um, exposure tolerance than some people, but it was just the right level of feeling very comfortable but still getting a little adrenaline going. Yeah, and even I'm a, I'm a baby, and even I felt pretty comfortable with <laughs> most of it. You know, there's some chain areas that you're kind of climbing like straight up these rocks, but nothing felt dangerous to me even. Yeah, some like holds that are bolted into the rock and you kind of ladder up. Um, but I thought that was a blast. Yeah. And we were with a group of friends mm -hmm. and all of them had no problem with it. Um, and it was definitely a less trafficked route because I, I think uh, it's not the most advertised route. And it's also, if you think about doing it, there are some kind of scary looking signs that try to dissuade you from doing it. Um, that probably work because we didn't see hardly, I don't think we yeah. encountered um, maybe one or two groups the rest of the whole way up. It was, it's two and a half kilometers, one and a half miles up. Um, I would say it's fairly strenuous in a, in a few parts and then moderate for a lot of the parts. So not too bad. Um, but once we got to the top, that's of course the, all of the really cool views. It was really cloudy from the top, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. we didn't see a lot. It was better going up because on our way up, it was uh, pretty good, clear weather. Yeah. But, you know, take some time. Uh, try to spend at least a half day up there, whether you're going, you're hiking up, which I definitely recommend, or doing the cable car route. Uh, recommend uh, carving out some time to walk around up top because, number one, it's really gorgeous and there are lots of trails on the top. 
but you can also give yourself some time for something to clear up. You know, the clouds are constantly moving in and out. So it's a big gamble, but you give yourself a better chance of some good views if you stay there for a little longer. Um, there's a big cafe there where you can plan on yeah, having lunch. Yeah, we just lunch. got some coffee, I think, and mm-hmm. just like hung out, you know, watched the clouds. And I think they did clear up at some point Yeah, quite a bit. So that was that was awesome. And then we came down the, the trail. That's like the straight shot, the most straightforward way of getting up to the Table Mountain. We went down it, though, and it's called Platte Clip, Platte mm-hmm. Clip Gorge Trail. And it's two kilometers or about 1.25 miles. Yeah, and that one was great to go down because it was a lot um, more steady grade. Mm -hmm. And it was also a lot more trafficked. Um, I would not have wanted to go down the India Venster Trail. I definitely wouldn't recommend that. But this one would not have had nearly as good of views if we were going up it. So I, it worked out perfectly because we had good weather going up when we had the views. And it was cloudy going down when we were packed into this gorge. Um, so try to time it right because the clouds and the views really make all the difference. Um, it's cloudy a lot. And try to you know look out your window as early as you can in the morning. And if it is a clear day any day you're there head for table mountain or head to lion's head which i might have liked even better mm, yeah because lion's head lion's mm-hmm. head was not a hard trail i wouldn't say like the no. first part's really just a walk mm-hmm. um up this like very easy to follow trail the whole trail is five and a half kilometers or 3.4 miles round trip um and the views are amazing the whole time and the cool part is that you kind of um circumvent is that the word i'm yeah thinking of this like cone shaped mountain or circumnavigate and so, go around it yeah there you go <laughs> like like circumcise nope yeah. <laughs> i don't think that's the one um you go around this like in a spiral up this cone and so you get to see views of the city the sea the tail of table mountain of like all sides of lion's head that's true i was that's the cool thing i was super impressed by lion's head because and the views people downplayed of it. table mountain are amazing from yeah. lion's head yeah so like don't miss that lion's head i th- i'm pr- i would i would say i liked it more you know i think i might agree with we you. also had better weather yeah so it was clear we could see everything really well and it was so, our last thing that yeah. we were really like reflecting. We went right before the airport. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was very nice. And by the time you get all the way up, of course, you're facing the the city and the sea, and it's um, just and it's three sixty best views yeah. you can see. Yeah. So though definitely, <clears throat> I, I think both are very worth individual. Um, you know, not whole days, but I would take a half day for each of those. And ideally on different days, just so you can split up the fun hiking. Um, If you're worried about transportation, just take Ubers. Ubers are amazing in Cape Town. They're super cheap. Um, We actually had a rental car, I think, for this day. But we, so we just drove to the trailhead. But the um, Ubering is really easy in Cape Town. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so that was number five. We're heading backwards, uh, (laughs) or we're going, counting down. I don't think we mentioned at the beginning. Well, you said number five. Okay. So hopefully people got it. We can count. <laughs> yeah, we don't go five to ten. Um, number four, <laughs> counting down, Okavanga Delta. Okavango Delta. Okavango Delta. 
this is a, a gigantic delta in Botswana. Yeah, and what's really unique about this, it's a huge floodplain that floods every year, and um, it doesn't drain into a body of water. It, like, aspirates, is that what it's called? That sounds right. Aspirates or whatever, absorbs into the into the land um, or it evaporates. So, so it's all, um, unlike other floodplains, it doesn't drain into a larger body of water. And this was one of the areas that is just really unique for um, for game experiences but we're talking about it here because we really didn't have a lot of game experiences there what we did do in Okavanga Delta was take a flight seeing tour which was kind of one of those add-ons to our absolute Africa overland tour and it was $110 each for us but we were in this plane by ourselves and we were able to see what I think is a great perspective of the Delta from above. So it's not uh, aspirates, that's for sure. Fact checking here on the fly. Uh, I think it's uh, transpiration is the process. There's some term that they used though. That it, the water gets sucked from the soil through the roots and into the leaves and then evaporates or something like that. Kind of, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, What's aspirate mean? <laughs> that's like the exhalation of breath. Okay. <laughs> uh, aspirated is the... Anyway. I'm going to blame it on pregnancy brain, but you have no excuses. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Just kidding. So flight seeing tour was a great way to see the Okavanga Delta from above. I would... Oh, I, yeah. I think, I think um, not seeing it from above... You kind of miss some of the the scope of just how big this flood area is. For sure, and there's kind of three ways to see the delta. Um, there's the flight seeing tour. There's the um, traditional like boating into the delta, and then there's driving, uh, doing a game drive in an area that's kind of the delta during the wet season. But when we were there during the dry season, you could drive there just like normal. It's kind of like the on and off Delta area called Maremi Game Reserve. So we did option A, flight seeing, and C, uh, Maremi Game Drive. Um, Only a little regret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I could go back, I would definitely change the game drive for the Okavanga Delta Tour. But um, And we talked about that decision in our long Africa trip report, Overland Tour trip report on our blog, so you can always look that up. Um, yeah. But what they say is that, and I, I think the boating is a, a really cool experience too. Yeah, the um, boating itself, actually transporting yourself into the Delta. Yeah. Yeah, being right on the water, getting to see some of the, you know, potential to see some of the wildlife. The people that were in our group who took that, that um, like two day trip onto the water. They didn't see a lot of game. They didn't see a lot of animals. But what they did say was that just being on the water was really cool. And hanging out with the boat guides who were local native people uh, and more like traditional culture. They, I think they really liked that part too. Yeah, they like traditional dugout canoes. Yeah, what turned us off about the boat into the Delta was how they said you really only boat in you know, a, a couple miles when the you know delta is just so vast you only see a very small sliver and then you get to the island that you camp at and you kind of just 
stay there and hang out for right. a day. They, and maybe what do I've a read, walk. everything I've read about Okavanga Delta is that in order to really see it and experience it, you have to pay a lot of money <laughs> and go on a longer trip. We're talking so, like like thousands of five dollars, days, right? Yeah, at, at least, least like a, almost a week. Yeah, in order to really get into the delta and see enough, um, they also say, you know, go during the flooded season, which is usually June to October, and then on top of that, the dry season when it's not like actively raining on you from about May to September. So those kind of line up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll have to see what's right for you. Um, it, there is the chance to see this one-of-a-kind ecosystem. And as, I mean, I'll echo Elizabeth that it really impressed us from the air. Uh, we loved getting into, I mean, it was just an hour long, but loved every minute of this and, flight. And it was a really small plane, like we were the only two people in it. Um, so be prepared for that and be prepared for like a lot of turbulence um, but you get to see you can see so clearly I figured we would be able to see the landscape but you also see so clearly all of the animals you know stretching out into the horizon yeah lots of herds of water buffalo mm-hmm. some herds of, of uh, zebra some giraffe we saw an elephant well quite lots a few of lots of elephants yeah. actually yeah pretty some... and pretty close that our, our pilot kind of swooped down and Almost made me throw up during some parts, (laughs) (laughs) but we got to see, we did get to see some of the animals, um, you know, close enough to tell, to, to really tell what they were. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, Baboons, ostriches, um, and you can see their game trails too, through the high grasses, which is really cool just to see that crisscrossing maze. Um, so highly recommend Okavango Delta in... Botswana, it's one of the main uh, wonders of Africa. Yeah. Number three, Spitzkop. Am I saying that right? Spitzkopi. You're the German one. Spitzkop. I don't know. Uh, Spitzkop is a natural area, rock formation in Namibia. Yeah. And Namibia, the reason I said German was it used to be a German colony. Uh, there aren't too many of those on Africa. Um, and then once the Germans left, it actually got colonized, the only uh, other country to be colonized by another African country when it became Southwest Africa uh, under South Africa. So interesting tidbit, but um, we loved all of Namibia. Spitzkop, though, wasn't something we had heard of, wasn't like one of the big headlines of Africa, but it was so cool. Oh, it was so cool. It was one of our favorite camping days because I think our legs were like so itching to go hiking Mm -hmm. (laughs) and climb on stuff and like play around because we really didn't have a lot of that on our whole tour mm-hmm. we're mostly transporting from like sitting in vehicles either on the big truck that we were that where we traveled or on in a safari truck so being able to get out and hike a little bit was really like just a huge relief and the um, setting was really amazing so you come into namibia it's unlike the kind of grasslands and the even um highland terrain of eastern Africa, you start getting into really interesting desert 
um, dry rock formations. And this really reminded me of Joshua Tree National Park. It had incredibly huge boulders even piling up to like mountain status all around. Uh, and they're just plopped, kind of like Joshua Tree, just plopped down by giants. Uh, <laughs> and we camped you know, in the middle of all of these. And it was really cool because we got there a little early in the day so we could spend a few hours running around all the rocks. And like Elizabeth said, we were itching to get out. And these rocks are granite, right? Mm. And they're sticky. Yeah. And they're like perfect for climbing on and scrambling. Yep. Um, there's, a, there's like a notable rock arch, which was pretty close to where we camped. So we could walk. We, there were a lot of, you know, that seemed like the one of the main things to see because they were uh, quite a few like day tourists and other campers that were there taking photos at this arch. Um, but other than that, it's kind of like you just go in any direction and start climbing and see what you can find. Yeah, no trails. See the good views. Um, do be careful because it is a lot easier to go up than it is to go down. Yes. One of uh, our group kind of split up into two main uh, parties and hike different areas. One of them, the other one, one guy really got into trouble on this um, big boulder. I don't know because you you're just climbing up and you're picking whatever way you can to you know get up to the top. Like this, you know, climbing boulder after boulder until you get to the highest point. Um, and then sometimes you realize that the way you picked through to get up, you can't go back and then you try to take a different way down and this guy got like stuck on kind of messed his hand up yeah he was I heard from what people said they were really worried for him because they were just watching him you know high up kind of on a too slanted precarious position and to be fair he did get hurt a few times (laughs) through this trip he he gripped the rock so hard that his like finger pads were scratched off. Um, so be careful. Yeah, I guess <laughs> don't that's climb all to say. any rock. Yeah. <laughs> climb with caution. Yeah. You know. Also, we got some great drone shots. So uh, yeah, it's really good for sunrise. Really good for area for sunset. It just has that like perfect like burnt orange, not burnt orange, like light peach like perfect hue of the desert and it Mm -hmm. was just beautiful so we camped and we didn't personally pay because we'd never paid like camping was just part of our tour Um, but I did look it up to see how much it was so I saw what I saw what that I'm pretty sure is the campground ranged from um, 120 Namibian Rand to 170 Namibian Rand which is the equivalent of eight dollars to twelve dollars per person so not breaking the bank and then I think I also saw 50 Rand, um, about $4 for a day entrance fee. And I'm thinking you probably don't have to pay that if you're camping. And the, the, bush, the camping sites were beautiful. They were oh, yeah. really spread apart from each other, mm-hmm. really nestled. It kind of reminded me of Jumbo Rocks yep. campground in Joshua Tree where yep. every site is like up inside the rocks. It's like kind of nestled. Um, and so that that would definitely be worth the stop if you're doing some kind of Namibian road trip. So are we ready for two? Which is also Namibia. Yeah, we don't go far. It's the Namib Nakaluft um, 
probably butchering that, Namib Nakaluft uh, National Park. So another national park featuring the highlights of Dead Vlay and Dune 45. Yes. One of our favorite days also. Yeah, and this was, it was really cool because we were, we had to traverse all of um, Namibia in the big truck. So we got a good view of it all. And this day was maybe one of my favorite traveling Uh, like driving days because the scenery through the window was so pretty Um, so you're still basically in that desert scenery and then all of a sudden you get into like real dunes so Mm -hmm. there's these giant dunes all around you probably the size of great sand dunes you know we're not talking little dunes here um they're impressive and they're also surrounded by mountains that are even higher again kind of like great sand dunes national park in the u.s Um, but the first stop we did was dune 45 yeah and we hiked that for sunrise which is like the the thing to do because it was pretty crowded Um, but the interesting thing was we pulled up to the parking lot the trailhead of this well not really a trail but it's just up the dune and it was so cloudy and socked in that half the people on our truck were like, this is not going to be worth it. Like, we're going to get there and see nothing. And then we start climbing. And not too much after we start climbing, we realize we're going to be above the clouds pretty soon. <laughs> and then we keep climbing and we're solidly above the clouds. And it's just one of my favorite sunrises we've ever experienced because mm-hmm. of it was just so satisfying <laughs> to be like we can't see anything below like we can't see the truck <laughs> we can't see the parking lot but all we see for for so like just so far in the distance are these this like sheet of clouds <laughs> and then the dunes popping up above them mm-hmm. and the sunrise starting to poke through it was just so beautiful yeah and the approach was cool too because um, you're kind of in this train of people, as Elizabeth said, very popular. But uh, but then you look the other way, and you see um, it, it's just cool to see that line of people is sp- spread out all along the spine of the dune because it's a really long spine that leads up to the high point. Um, so the setting is just gorgeous. This Dune 45 is kind of in the middle of, and it's surrounded on all sides by other dunes. Uh, so that made it really cool too. And as we were there, the clouds just floated away. And uh, as we were going down then, it was the, the empty valley. Uh, so that was a awesome to see that transition into daytime Um, loved dune 45 it's actually my lock screen so that tells you how beautiful it was (laughs) yeah Uh, but then the day got even better because after we you know descended why am i thinking why am i not able to think of words descended that's the right word descended from the mountain yeah sure okay yeah. From the dune. We ran down. We, after yeah. we yeah ran back to the truck, we um, kept driving into this park and um, got to the area called, known as Dead Vlay. Or the whole area, I guess, is called Seuss Vlay. Is it? There isn't. Well, there's one park called Seuss Vlay, 
the main attraction is called Dead Flay. And this is the picture of Namibia, I think. Like the iconic image of all any of Namibia. And it's this Yeah. You had seen this. I hadn't, but you Yeah, this was one of the one it. of the driving factors for, for me go wanting to go to Namibia and knowing that it was like a really interesting country. Um but it's just this now burnt orange. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the color I'm thinking of now. This burnt orange back background of dunes with this like almost stark white floor valley area with black dead trees popping up from this white floor. Am I describing it well? Enough? Yeah, uh, you're just feel, with describing the blue sky, uh, with the blue sky. So it's just like a, a this this contrast between the dunes and the sky and the these weird dead trees popping out from the from the ground. I feel like you're describing some Hollywood <laughs> version of purgatory where you go and there's like nothing except dead things and there, there's some guy who quizzes you to send you on the train to the afterlife or something. Um, that's what I feel like. What I don't get it. I, I don't know. Am I describing it badly? <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to go there? The purgatory? <laughs> uh, it's... It kind of to me, it re- reminded me of Salvador Dali's melting clocks picture. So yeah, sure. Picture that with that one tree that the clock is flopped over. And <laughs> there's no clock though. Remove the clock. Right. Um, <laughs> erase that with your you know Photoshop mind eraser, and um, it, it sounds weird, but it is. There's just something striking about it. Uh, you're again. You get there by going over more dunes, and you could also go the easy way, which we just didn't discover until we came back. That's true. We, we thought we had to go up over the dunes. We were kind of pointed in the wrong direction. We followed the wrong people, I think, from from the trail area, from the parking lot area, and uh, so just follow the crowds. <laughs> but you'll make your way over to this area eventually. We got there by way of climbing up. <laughs> With this huge other dune, and down this huge dune into the, into the valley area. Yeah, so you you'll have to check out the show notes for pictures and stuff. But dead vlay means um, dead marsh, so it, you can tell it kind of used to be a watery area, and that is long gone. Um, so the trees just died when there wasn't enough water to survive. And, um, they think that they died about 600 to 700 years ago. Uh, now they're black because they were scorched by the sun. So thank you, Wikipedia. Um, (laughs) yeah, it's just as far as visiting, it is, um, once you get to the, like the main area, of where you can access Deadflay. You can drive, you have four wheel drive. I wouldn't super recommend it because it's really, really sandy. <laughs> we saw a lot of people get stuck. So you can also take like a little, they call it like a safari shuttle for $12 round trip from the main parking lot area. And even the scorched earth is really cool because it makes these cracked patterns. And so yeah, everything about Deadflay was just um, a strange kind of beauty. 
really cool. Try to go as early as you can because then you'll get more pictures without crowds. For sure. We were leaving as some of the like tour bus crowds were coming uh, with their selfie sticks and not to diss selfie sticks because we definitely have one too. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you can avoid it, if you can avoid the masses of people, then you're probably better off and you'll get better pictures. And good news is this is one thing that climate change probably won't be affecting too soon because it's already dead, it's already scorched, and the dryness is what um, actually keeps it from decomposing. So there you go. (laughs) You ready to hit number one? Ready to hit it. This was, again, one of those, like, fundamentals of our trip to all of Africa, the whole continent of Africa. And this was, I think it's a natural wonder of the world. Yeah. It's uh, on one of those seven lists. There's like a million lists of seven. There's probably like 50 wonders of the world. I think it's on there. And this is our number one Victoria Falls. Yeah. So Victoria Falls, I think its rivals are uh, Niagara Falls which might have more volume, mm-hmm. and the um, Angel Falls. Angel Falls, which is taller. In Venezuela is taller. Yep. But this is the longest waterfall of really any waterfall we know of. Um, is that a fact? Or is that just your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> You're phrasing it like it's your opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll fact check that one. Yeah. But it, it's beautiful. It, like... I don't care if it's a superlative or not. It's gorgeous. It's um, definitely the prettiest waterfall, the most like epic, iconic waterfall I've ever seen. Yeah, it's not the highest or the widest, but it is classified as the largest based on its combined width of 1,708 meters or 5,604 feet. That's over a mile, people. Uh, and height <laughs> of 108 meters or 354 feet so it has the largest sheet of falling water thank you wikipedia again (laughs) coming in the clutch what is really cool about the falls is that it is kept moving uh, throughout time it just moves backwards up the river Uh, so we're talking about the zambezi river here and at this point it divides zambia and zimbabwe which is where we were. So on the Zambia side, the town is Livingston, or Livingstone. Mm-hmm. I think it's Livingston. Um, then on the Zimbabwe side, it's Victoria Falls. So that's the town where we stayed. I would definitely recommend trying to uh, see it from the Zimbabwe side at least, if you can only pick one, because it definitely has the best views, the best trails along the falls. Um, so this, uh, throughout time, it's kind of eroded away uh, in kind of zigzags. So, right, it, I think it's, there's something like it's, it's had eight different iterations or something, and eventually it will cut backwards in another zigzag through what is now the wide um, river plain above the falls, and it'll just erode another strip So eventually it'll zigzag back into a new falls area. Um, So I just thought that was fascinating. But um, the the experience of the park is really cool. 
like I think we said it's a national park, so score another one. Yep, and it's pretty straightforward, like one-dimensional as far as the national park goes because it's all about the falls. Um, so you go into the park. It's $30 for the day, which seems a little steep, but totally worth it for a natural wonder of the world. Um, and you just walk along this main, like, fall side trail that has all these little um, overlooks. And so we <laughs> spent a lot of the day there. Yeah. We ended up spending, like, the whole day there. We got there, like, mid-morning. We walked along the entire trail, and then we walked back along the entire trail. And then I think we had, like, a little afternoon snack with our friends. They Most of them left. And we went back out to the trail, the main trail, for... Um, Sunset. Yeah. Which was, again, just, just another interesting perspective, different colors, different lighting. Yeah, it's not like we saw the sun actually setting because it was in a different spot, but the light changes completely. So that was really cool to see the falls and the fading light. And I really loved that we were able to stay there for an extended period of time. You know, being on this tour, we it wasn't like by leaving earlier we could go on to something else. We were at Victoria Falls for you know like three full days, and this was the only thing we were doing that day because uh, stuff was kind of expensive there, and we could only do so many things. Uh, while we were stopped there. But um, like Elizabeth said, you see it in different ways, in, in, from different angles. And also, I feel like going back a few times, when you're just going down, going the first time, you're just like awestruck and it's hard to soak in. But if you just like crisscross the same path a couple times, you know that that same mile of waterfall, it's really it sinks in and it soaks in. Sometimes literally because <laughs> bring your rain jacket, you get drenched on this trail. Um, if you do it right. That yeah, that's right. <laughs> and also be careful because there aren't in a lot of places there aren't rails. It's not like, you know, if you fall off, you are really stupid because you had to work at it. But the probably the best view of the whole trail is from this point um, that is constantly drenched with water, pounded with mist. And um, you can kind of climb up, uh, not climb, but step up onto these rocks and get a nice selfie pic. Um but and it's a little slippery, so don't back up yeah. with, you, with your phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but that part's cool because you've, you, you can see the widest angle of the falls at that point. You're out of the trees because at some of the point um, on this other side of the gorge, you know, facing the falls, you're in the trees. But at this point, you've come out of the trees. You're facing the falls you know, on the other side of the gorge. And you can also see it continue. The falls just continues past where you can go onto the uh, Zam Zambia side. So um, it, it really is incomprehensible um, how long it is. And just hit every stretch of the trail. That's my biggest advice because every angle is cool. 
And really for how big of a destination like landmark it is, it wasn't that crowded. Yeah. And no. we were there mid morning. We weren't we didn't get super early a uh, super early start or anything compared to like Yellowstone and some of the national parks in the US um, that everybody knows about. It's not as crowded as I expected it would be. Mm-hmm. And then as far as other activities in the area <laughs> along the Zambezi River, there's tons to do. If you, especially if you're an adrenaline junkie like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did go whitewater rafting, which was very fun. Um, it's probably a little more fun depending on your style, (laughs) maybe a little more intense during the high uh, river season. We were there in the lower, no, just kidding, opposite. We were there in the higher season. It's probably better in the lower season because there are more intense rapids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was, you know, definitely worth the money. Uh, It's also cool to just have a half day on the river. You get a great meal afterwards. You also get great scenery because... This, um, after the Zambezi River, drops down its 100 meters into the gorge, then the river goes through the gorge for a long time. I think I liked just floating. Like, I would have loved just like a nice casual float trip down the the river because the views were amazing. Mm -hmm. So I was like trying to enjoy all that too while we were fighting these rapids. (laughs) And then... um, Oh, by the way, we we met this we at our campsite, which is just you know a place that also had was a hotel in Victoria it's like a Falls. Hostel. Yeah, yeah, it, not a not a classy place. <laughs> we met this um, a good place to hang out. Actually, I think that's where all the is turned into a bar after hours, and all the kids from around town came there. So anyway, it's kind of cool. I think it's called Shoestring yeah. Hostel and Bar. Um, but, um, okay, two things I want to mention then, um, outside the adrenaline, uh, the, uh, fall, the falls and the rafting, we met this guy who had lived there all his life. He did, um, he does whitewater paddleboarding. So crazy. No idea what um, you're talking about. I did not meet this person. Okay. Well, I don't think. Di- <laughs> no, you probably didn't. You would remember him. Oh, was he the kind of douchey guy? Some people. Who didn't... I was rolling my eyes at. Yeah. And then I walked yeah. away. <laughs> okay. That's why I didn't meet him. <laughs> I thought he was fascinating. Okay. Um, because he can whitewater stand up paddleboard. And he says you kind of have to. And he's proud of it. Well, yeah, I would be too. You kind of have to change the goalpost. Like the goalpost is not dying because uh, you're going to fall eventually and you're going to get sucked under these massive rapids. But you just want to see how far you can go before you get sucked under. Um, he also said that that season, which was this past summer, he's going to be the first to attempt jet skiing the like class five rapids of the Zambezi River. I guess that's what you do when you... It doesn't you... seem ambitious. That just seems kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's what you do when you've lived you there all live your life in... There's and you've not a lot paddled else to do in like Victoria Falls. a million times. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but he but... was a world-class whitewater kayaker. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm and over him. Anyway, the other thing <laughs> to mention about the hostel is that you can... I forget what the name of the restaurant was, but you can walk to a few restaurants around town that have warthog steak. 
And this warthog steak was one of the best meals I've had in Africa. That was really good. Yeah. It was so really good. Highly recommend that. Just look up warthog steak and go find some while yep. you're in Victoria Falls. Um, you can also bungee jump, do some like micro light flights, do some gorge swinging, all that fun stuff. I wouldn't recommend doing like any of the game drives here because they're all, there's not really a lot of good national parks around. Yeah. And if you want a you know cheap option away from all of that, um, there's a little like road circuit, um, kind of like a scenic drive around that starts at the falls and just goes in a circle. Um, I th- you weren't with me when I just kind of walked this thing. Oh yeah, I forgot you did it, that. It has one of the biggest, I think it's baobab trees. Um, but yeah, just gigantic trees along this scenic route. And one of them in particular is the granddaddy of them all. So kind of just a cool, cheap, free option. Yeah. So there is our, there are our (laughs) top five natural landmarks, natural areas, um, outdoor destinations that we experienced in, um, visiting the Southern part of Africa. Yeah, so to recap, there was Table Mountain and Lion's Head in South Africa, Cape Town. There was the Okavango Delta in Mon, Botswana. There was Spitzkop in Namibia. And then there was the Namib Nakaluft uh, National Park in Namibia. And Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe slash Zambia. And I will mention again three of those national parks so love that score one score another one for national parks quick honorable mentions that Mm -hmm. we also saw during our overland tour which was 59 days so it was a pretty good amount we saw a lot of cool outdoor stuff in between you know some of the bigger destinations um the island of zanzibar was really cool it's on an autonomous state technically part of um tanzania Semi-autonomous. Semi-autonomous nation of Zanzibar. Um, We didn't, we, there's, you know, there's a lot of diving and snorkeling and things like that. We didn't do a whole lot in the water, but what we did do was go to the Jozani Forest National Park, National Reserve. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Some protected area that have um, red colobus monkeys, the only... Red colobus monkeys. Yeah, in the we world. mentioned that last. Uh, uh, it was an honor- honorable mention for our game drive too, because it was a game walk. Well, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, then you have Lake Malawi, and this has good fishing, uh, freshwater snorkeling, and just hanging out on the beach of Lake Malawi was fun. The people were the nicest we met in um, Africa. The driving along the Skeleton Coast in Namibia. Um, it's kind of like this dry, dead-ish area, but it has a lot of cool coastal uh, coastline, too. One of the key things we saw was the Cape Cross seal colony, which is like thousands of smelly seals <laughs> right along the ocean. And Skeleton Coast, I believe, because there are so many shipwrecks there. Yes. Um, and I also believe it is the longest stretch of un, um, uninhabited coastline yep. in the world. There you go. Um, Fish River Canyon was... This one almost made our list. Yes. If we would have done more, if we would have done more than just stop there quickly, like if we would have gone on a hike, 
it definitely could have made our list. Yeah, we were there for maybe an hour and a half. Yeah, um, it's the second largest canyon in the world after the Grand Canyon um, by volume, I believe, mm-hmm. because it's not that deep, not nearly as deep as the Grand Canyon, um, but it's huge. It's so big. There's lots of backpacking uh, hikes, day hikes, things like that you can do into the canyon. Yeah, I would have loved to do this like four to five day, 84 kilometer uh, backpack uh, route that just goes all the way down the main stretch of the canyon. This seemed super cool. And Next the, time. Yeah, the best thing about it though, um, you know, I loved being able to get, you know, walk along the edge, You're, you get right up to it and see these amazing views and all the different layers of the canyon. The best part, though, was that our bus, like, truck of people was the only ones there except for maybe one other couple. And there were, you know, you think you compare that to the Grand Canyon, the number one canyon, (laughs) um, not even a comparison with the throngs of people there. So that was really cool. Definitely. Um, Next... Orange River. This was this is the border of Namibia and South Africa. We camped along the Orange River and we were able to canoe along it, which was a great little $20 trip. They kind of shuttle you up and you float back down to your campsite. Um, so definitely just a really pretty setting, just a really pretty river with, with um, like cliffs on each side. Mm-hmm. And then the last is the world's largest intact meteorite. Uh, the Hoba meteorite in Namibia. This was, was just kind of like another little stop by. Yeah, it's one of those roadside attractions that you know you put a little dollar in the bucket and you get to see this thing for 15 minutes and it's uh, something you say you did because it was it was <laughs> I mean it was gigantic. It was the size of probably a uh, I don't know a regular car. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like mostly nickel and stuff like that. I don't know. Um, but solid, uh, just a solid mass of meteorite, which I've never seen before. Yeah, so we got to experience so many of these awesome places. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see every single thing because there's so many more things we still want to see through the whole continent of Africa. Yeah, don't remind me. Yeah, so just quickly to list off our to-do list <laughs> that we still like, we have not gotten to yet. Um, there's a lot of, of course, like big iconic hikes like Mount Kilimanjaro and Mount Kenya, which just look super awesome. We want to see more of South Africa, including like the eastern part, because we really only got to see Cape Town and Stellenbosch. Um, we want to go to Swaziland and Lesotho, the tiny little countries that are inside, mm-hmm. south, like fully surrounded by South Africa. Yeah, there's and a Durban a, and Kruger, Durban, Kruger, Kruger National Kruger Park. Kruger National Park, which is more animal based, um, but it also seems really awesome. There's also an area called Blyde River Canyon that looks really great for hiking. Yeah, and then there's lots of beach destinations we might hit uh, when we're old and can't hike anymore. <laughs> no, we'll take our kids. I would love to take our kids to uh, um, to a like a South African road trip. Yeah. Maybe go back to Cape Town and then rent a car and go all the way up the coast and see all sorts of stuff. Um, the yeah, garden route. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. The garden route, of course. Yeah. So there's Mo- Mozambique, Seychelles, 
Madagascar. Right. Those are all great beaches, but especially Madagascar has some ridiculous, amazing um, sites on the island as well with all the different animals that are endemic to the island and the uh, like avenue of trees that's really famous and some other like unique stuff you would only see there. Yeah, there's all sorts more wildlife and and, um, other natural areas we want to see, especially in Rwanda and Uganda. We want to go back for gorilla trekking. We want to go back for national parks and hiking. Um, the, we want to see yeah, the, the, great, gorilla. the Great Migration. Yeah, gorilla trekking and Great Migration are two of the huge wildlife spectacles that I really want to go back to. Because um, we just missed the Great Migration. It was not into the Maasai Mara yet by the time we were there. And then by the time we got to the Serengeti in Tanzania... Uh, it had left already, so we missed the huge herds of wildebeest and zebra and all the predators that come along with that. Um, so we that gotta was get, unfortunate. Yeah, we got to <laughs> see that at some point because that's. Uh, I feel like n- nature documentaries wouldn't exist without the Great Migration. We see it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and then going way north, we I Cole has been to Morocco. You did you go to Marrakesh in Morocco? I did. So yes. I I've not been to Morocco, so I'm I'm down for the whole country. There's also some good hiking I've read about called um, a mountain range called the Atlas Mountains that are in Morocco that seem really really good for hiking. Yeah, too. and also from Morocco you can do all sorts of um, longer trips into the Sahara Desert, which I would love to spend an overnight in the desert and. You know, try to... Under the stars. Yeah, under the stars, ride some camels out. Ideally, it'd be like, uh, you know, pack everything onto a camel and ride it out, you know, a couple days and maybe not a couple days, maybe, (laughs) That seems pretty one day out, one day back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then overall, I think one of the things we missed a little bit through this, uh, through this Overland tour, we were somewhat kind of insulated from a lot of the local culture the daily life of of people who live in these countries um and that's something we experience a little bit more on different trips but we didn't have a whole lot of that on this trip yeah there's so many cool things in different parts of africa you know we didn't see west africa at all we've heard the culture is so rich there um in one of the countries it's kind of known as the birthplace of voodoo and they have some crazy festivals for that um i think it might be benin africa and then i've been in nigeria before but in northern nigeria i've heard all about this huge horse race that goes on um and it's I guess not as much a race as a festival and there's just these really dramatic scenes of you know horses charging with everybody dressed up in traditional um, North Nigerian like garb anyway try to look look at pictures of the Durbar festival bottom line is that Africa is huge it's super diverse and we just have to go back immediately because there's so much to see there. There's so many, I mean, we're, we've barely scratched the surface um, with this podcast. This is really just our experiences. The coolest things we got to see in 
only eight of the thousands of countries. Yeah, so... Thousands as, is uh, not an exact <laughs> number. <laughs> as always, go out and have your own adventure. And again, if you want to help plan that adventure, adventure, uh, you can check out our Africa trip report on switchbackkids.com. Search for the Africa trip report. It has a ton of details about exactly what we did, the highlights, the lowlights, what we would what we skip. Sp- what we spent. Um, what we spent was huge, you know, a big detailed budget it's there. It's excruciatingly detailed. You're welcome. And I'll also link it in the show notes so you yeah. can see it there too if you go to switchbackkids.com slash podcast. Again, we'll be back uh, next month with some podcast we haven't planned yet. And Baby Moon. Oh, we're talking about Baby Moon. We're talking, well, we're going to talk all about our Portugal Baby Moon. Yep. And so it's going to be So definitely be checking that out. Yep. Until then, thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. And you can always get more National Parks and international travel videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks Switchbacks out. out.